You know, I, being a worship leader for many years, almost really about 30 years, uh, in my former church, I, uh, you know, we sang many of these hymns, and of course, one of those great hymns is Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Anybody remember that one? Now, I'm not going to ask you to stand up and sing. It's figurative at this moment, right? And you're, oh, wow, good. It's figurative. But it's powerful, because one of those verses says, stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of uh, flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. This is one of the only hymns, by the way, that refers to the armor. And watching unto prayer, where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. It's kind of the core of where I'm going today in our message, and so as you probably guessed, we're going to be talking about the armor of God. It's a subject that probably the great majority of you have heard at least a few messages on. You certainly read about it, and I'm, I'm assuming that many of you have even studied it. But let me begin with something completely different, <laughs> and that is that <clears throat> I had the privilege of driving in my Toyota 2010 Prius, good little car, by the way, uh, 24 hours out of the last 36. Now, you heard that right. I, I drove 24 hours out of the last 36, and you're going, well, how is he standing? Don't tell anybody, but I took, no, <laughs> no. So... Why did I do that? Because I drove down to Nashville, met some friends there, had some things to accomplish there for the ministry, and, um, and then I drove, um, I waited a day there, and then I got up yesterday early morning and drove from Nashville here, and you know that's about an 11-hour or so trip, if, if you drove it straight, and I did not. And so by God's grace, I'm standing here today. I'm standing, uh, hopefully in the armor, uh, you know, so thank God for that. Uh, my wife sends her greetings. She wishes she could come every weekend, but unable to come um, really for the rest of the time I'm going to be here this summer, this week, next week, and the, and the following. But uh, let me just share with you that you wouldn't know this, but I want you to know, I want to reveal something to you now, uh, that this message that I'm doing today is actually part of a three-part message that I've done in the past of what I call the three non-negotiables uh, for the Christ follower. Now, you might say, well, there's many non-negotiables for the Christ follower. I'm just saying, well, these are a list of three that are non-negotiables. And we've actually covered a couple of them already. Uh, the filling of the Spirit is one of them. I did a message on that. Some of you remember the, the message on, the, uh, on knowing God. I believe that is also an indispensable non-negotiable to ground yourself in a focus on knowing God and then everything else flowing from that in your life. Uh, but today it's going to be the armor of God. Now, as I was driving down the road trying to stay around the speed limit, Jim, around the speed limit, can I, can I get an amen on that? Around it? With the flow of traffic, you know how we say that? Well, well I was going with the flow of traffic, yeah. Hmm. Maybe I was leading it a little bit at times, I confess. Uh, but as I was bounding down the road, one of, I was listening to one of my favorite artists, and I, I, had, I had to bring this up because I honestly... Not a lot of songs refer to the armor of God. And hidden in this song by Andre Crouch, any Andre Crouch uh, folks here that you like Andre? Okay. You know, my tribute to God be the glory. He wrote that. Um, there's this song that he wrote called All the Way. Now, this song was written in the late, <clears throat> I think the early 80s, and it has a little bit of a beat to it and kind of a road trip song. So it's one of my favorite songs to listen to as I'm going down the road. But this is what it says. 
And this ties into the great message, the great message. And I'm not just saying this. I really mean this because I heard it on the way down. Before I listened to the song, I heard the great Pastor Dave over here and his message from last week. And this actually is a segue from that message uh, into today's message. And here it is. Here's what the song says. All the way. I'm going all the way. You know this one, Dave? No matter what tomorrow brings, all the way. I'm going all the way. So don't even try to turn me around. Now listen to this lyric. Satan is busy trying to block my path, but I'm going all the way. He's throwing rocks and hiding, in, uh, hiding it in his hands, but I, I'm going all the way. You may stone me and turn your back on me, but I'm going all the way. Because God's got his arms wrapped all around me, I'm going all the way. Then this verse, God never said my way would be easy or that the sun would always shine. But he said, no matter what I go through, he'll be with me all the time. How many remember that song? Through it all, through it all, I've learned. You could start singing with me right now, right? Maybe I should just not do the message today. We should just sing Andre Crouch today. Babe, come up here. I'm, no. be, because if God be for us, tell me who can be against us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And this is what I love. At the end of the song, in a, in a typical Andre way, there's this kind of re repeat kind of thing. It's a vamp thing. And at the end, he says, I'm going all the way. And they're all singing. And he goes, I got my helmet on. I'm going all the way. Do you remember this, Dave? I got my sword in my hand. I got my sword and my shield. I'm going all the way. And it fades out. So the song faded out. And as Dave said, we're not supposed to be fading out at the end. of, Or, or when we do fade, we should have our shoes on, right? We should have our belt on. We should have our shield on or hold up our shield. We should have our breastplate on. We should have our helmet on. You get it? We should be right to the end, whether we have the ability to raise up a Bible like this Gideon's Bible that I brought along today. We should be right to the end of our lives, even as we're fading in the armor of God excited about what God is about to bring to our attention as we step into eternity. All right. Well, that's the message. You're dismissed. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> no, I've got a lot to cover here. Um, but we're going we're gonna to take a look now at the armor of God. Now, let's be very clear about something right up front. If you are a follower of Christ, a professing follower of Christ, and in reality, a follower of Christ, you're a born-again believer, you are in a war of a different type than those that are not born again. You're in a war. And you're sitting there going, I don't feel like I'm in a war. I got a nice auditorium here to sit down and listen to a message and have some great worship there. I don't feel like I'm in a war. You're in a spiritual warfare constantly, and if you are to win the battles in this war, you must listen carefully to the instructions and obey the instructions of the commander-in-chief. And that is not our current president, and that is not any other president that we've ever had. Here are some critical instructions for fighting in the spiritual war from the ultimate spiritual war manual, the Bible. And here's the good news. God has provided everything we need to fight this war until we enter eternity. Now, if you look at the book of Ephesians, 
you could divide it into three sections. And I used three W's to understand the entire, this is going to be a survey of the book of Ephesians. Really fast. You ready? This is the fastest survey that you've probably ever heard of the book of Ephesians. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 speak about the wealth that God has given to us as believers. Chapters 4 and 5 talk about the walk that we are to walk, that we are to live as believers. And chapter 6 is essentially about the warfare that we're in and how God has provided for us to win the battles. Now, we all know, and we've heard it many times said dramatically from pulpits and from songs, that the war is already won, amen, right? The war is won. Am I with, you, with me? The war is won, right? We all believe that, right? Jesus died on the cross once for all, and the war is won. And now we have battles to face, and we may lose some of those battles, we win some of those battles, but we're ultimately on the right side, and we win. We win. Actually, the name of this message could be, we win, folks, at the end. Thank God. Whatever we are going through right now, and whatever we may go through in the future. But I want to open up a few words to describe what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. And the first thing that the Apostle Paul says as he opens up this subject of the warfare that the Christian is in and the provisions that God gives the believer in order to fight that war is verse 10. And I use this phrase, be powered, and I use it this way on purpose. We don't usually use that word power that way, but Paul's saying be powered, or you could say be empowered. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. In other words, be continually strengthened by means of the Lord and his active sovereign power. See, the original language uh, crafts this in a way where this must be from an outside source. It's not something we get from within. We hear people all the time, I got to reach down deep. These Olympians that are winning and not even winning and they're competing right now, they, they reach deep down within that extra oomph in, in, in addition to their training to try to win. But this is something different. This is not anything in us. This is from the outside. The source is our omnipotent God. You know the word omnipotent. It's a big theological word that means that God is all-powerful. There's no one like him. He has all power. He always has, he does, and he always will. That's an awesome thought. And the resource of this power is the Holy Spirit through us in our daily filling. You see how we tie that back into the filling of the Spirit? Very directly uh, uh, tied in. In Ephesians chapter 3, 16 to 20, says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now my brothers and sisters, we can stop right there and have a worship service just out of gratitude and thankfulness for what God has given to us. But the question is, are you actually using that power? Are you accessing that power? The next thing the Apostle Paul talks about is being protected. So he's calling us to be protected. He identifies the source of the power. He says, be powered by this power of the Holy Spirit within you as a born-again Christian. But then he says, be protected, verse 11. 
Put on the full. Put on the full. Put on the full. Put on the full. They said, oh, he's tired. He's skipping like a record right now. What happened? No, I'm doing that on purpose because the key word here, frankly, and from my perspective, is put on the full armor of God. Not just a piece, not just the concept of it, but on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, this is a message in and of itself, and probably if I was a wiser preacher, Dave, I would have just stuck with this one and not everything else. But we're going to touch on this just a little bit right now because it's very important for us to understand. There's a lot of misunderstanding, I believe, in the body of Christ, and there always has been, about the devil and his schemes. And that's exactly what he intends. He wants to deceive us. He wants to push us off to the side again. Don't worry about me. I'm good. <laughs> That's the devil speaking, by the way. And you're good. Yeah, like that was like, I'm good. And you're good. <laughs> and neither of those things are true. So there's an old word that we don't use anymore. Prudent. Prudence. What is prudence? Exercising sound judgment. Cautiously wise. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying when he says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the, uh, of the devil. Be on the, the alert. Stand firm. It's a command. We must do it. We have no option but to do it in order to be protected from the strategies of the evil one. And these schemes, schemes by definition, are well-organized approaches of an enemy. So what are they? Well, there's basically three. I won't get too deep on this, but there's basically three of these. One would be temptation, enticing to evil. Now, the scripture makes it very clear that this is one of the primary things that the Satan does in the believer's life as well as the unbeliever's life. But 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, if, you can just, if you're taking any notes or you're thinking about the scriptures that tie into this, the apostle Paul was sending someone to find out about the Thessalonians' faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you. See, he, Paul had a consciousness of the evil one in the early church, even though these people were on fire for God. We love that term. I'm on fire for God. These people were on fire for God. But they were battling every day against the evil one, and Paul knew it. And he wanted to make sure that they were doing what he had instructed in other places about what it means to have protection against the evil one. Now, another thing that the, that the evil one does is he causes blindness. But this is specifically applicable to unbelievers, those that have not placed their faith in Christ as of yet. I always like to say that out of faith because if you have friends that are not believers, you've got to always say, you know, they're not believers yet. Do I get an amen for that? For, right? An amen. Because we have to have a heart that is always positioned to be an example of Christ in our living but also by our words. So that these blinded unbelievers will come in. Where's that? Where do we find that in the Bible? 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this age, that is Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So just remember that when you are looking around, you can't figure out, how is it that that person believes that about that? Whatever the subject may be, it could be an issue of the life of the unborn. It could be an issue related to sexuality. It could be some other area, maybe even economics. I don't know how far you go with that in your own mind, but bottom line, if you're wondering, how is it that they are blinded to the truth 
that God has already revealed. Well, that's because of the devil. That's one of his jobs. Keeps them blinded. Another thing that God, that, that Satan does is he causes passivity. And I want you to lock in here for, with me for just a moment. This is very important. This may be something that you've heard before, perhaps not. But you need to hear this. Did you know that there is no word in the original language, uh, Greek that is, for demon possession? That's translated that way when you see it, demon possessed. But the word is actually the word demonizai. And demonizai literally means, are you ready for this? Demon-caused passivity. Demon-caused passivity. And I would like to submit to you today that the number one thing that Satan wants to do in anyone's life, whether a believer or not, is to affect, affect, A-F-F-E-C-T, affect passivity. He wants you to be passive. He wants you to be passive right now. Look, I may not be one of the better ministers or preachers that you've ever heard before, but he certainly wants you to be passive toward the scripture that I'm bringing to you today. That's for sure. Whether you're passive towards my presentation or not, or Dave's or anyone, or John or anyone else who stands in this pulpit, the point is he wants to make you passive. And that affects believers as well as unbelievers. Did you ever wonder why when you're trying to pray, I said trying to pray, right? Because some, some of you are prayer warriors and you get down and you're right there. Boom! You're in, the th- you're, at, you're in the throne. But that didn't happen by accident, if that's happening in your life. Most of us are, are, get down to pray and we feel distracted. Everything comes to our mind except the thing that we're supposed to be praying about, and especially if we're trying to worship the Lord. How about reading the Bible? You ever notice when you're reading the Bible how suddenly you start to get kind of sleepy and it has nothing to do with age? Sorry. I, this was happening to me when I was a kid. I would start to feel like distracted, it's a little sleepy. Do you think that's fine? That's just a natural thing that, you know, I was just kind of tired. I'm telling you right now, Satan wants to do everything he can to keep us passive. In other words, not active every moment toward our great God. Remember that, demonizai. Christians can be overwhelmed in their mind, their will, and the emotions. And this is the work of Satan and his demons. Remember that. So how do you deal with that? Well, the next thing that the Apostle Paul talks about in verses 12 and 13, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. And sometimes we read that little section and we blur. Like, what in the world does that mean? Did you know that the devil has a militia? He has an army that's well constructed. Many divisions Many, now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I know the names of the, you know, the commanders and chiefs of the demons. and all. But I'm just telling you, it's a very well-organized army designed to destroy us. It's, trying to, it's, it's designed to keep unbelievers blinded so that they'll never come to know the gospel and, 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 and embrace the gospel. And certainly to keep Christians anemic and ineffectual. He wants you to be Neutralized. And these different divisions of demons, we won't get, there, are, there is more to say about that, but that's not the purpose of this message. But Paul makes the point that you've got a formidable foe here and a formidable army coming against you every second of every day. 
He's saying, oh, come on, Tim. You're, you know, that's what preachers do, you know. Heavy hyperbole, just to make the point. No, it's true. It's right there. Especially when you dig down a little deeper than perhaps a quick perusal as you're doing your devotional reading. For this reason, Paul says, take up the full, 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 full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And does anybody doubt that this is the evil day? Paul's saying that that was the evil day. If that was the evil day, does anybody disagree that this is the evil day also? Some would argue that it's a more evil day. Some would not, but we're in the evil day. So having prepared everything, take your stand. Now, to perceive is to become aware through the senses about what's going on, spiritually hearing and seeing. And in warfare, you have to know the enemy and the nature of the warfare that you're engaged in. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. And you have to guard against misconceptions. So much overemphasis in certain parts of the body of Christ on the devil. Over, and then there's under-emphasis. So you have the people that are kind of like the, Satan and demons are under every rock and everything is the devil's fault. How many of you remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. Remember that? Okay, and everybody laughed. Huh. I think Bob Dylan a little bit later on corrected him when he said, you got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord. But you got to serve someone. But my point about all this is that ignorance is not bliss. You cannot expect to just float along on your merry way with the Lord into eternity, ignorant of this truth. 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says, we should not be taking advantage of Satan for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So the question today is, ask yourself, and we need to ask ourselves as a church body, are we ignorant that doesn't mean stupid. It means without knowledge, ignorant of his schemes. Then Paul says, be proactive. Verses 14 to 17. This is the large section that actually unpacks the armor. And I'm going to move through this uh, quickly here in this context. But it's certainly something that we need to be meditating on and studying in our lives. This is something that we must do. Now see, the power comes from out there, meaning the Lord, we have to be empowered by yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit. In some ways, you could argue that that's a passive surrender. But this is something that we're called to do, to be proactive. It's not automatic, just like the filling of the Spirit is not automatic. So it's not just the armor of God. It's the full armor of God, and no part is optional, just as there is no optional part of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Can you imagine an army with all the weapons and gear necessary to defeat the enemy and then just simply leaving it all behind on the battlefield and kind of walking through? They'd be, you'd be slaughtered. Many Christians are being slaughtered spiritually today. So Paul says this, Stand therefore with the truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandal with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In every situation, you like that? In every situation, full armor, every situation, take up the shield of faith which you, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Every one of these pieces is absolutely essential. 
And I will tell you on a personal level, every day when I get up, and this has been my habit for many, many years. I, I usually, some of you use the Lord's Prayer as an, an outline for your, as you pray. I've done that also for many years. But there are two prayers that I pray every single day in relationship to certain themes in the Bible, and it's the filling of the Spirit and the armor of God. And I go to a, a very specific thing. When I get up in the morning, even almost before I get out of bed, I say, Lord, I'm putting on the, by, in faith, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. Protect my thinking today. Thank you for your salvation. I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Help me to live in a righteous, right way for you today, Lord, without compromise. And thank you, Lord, and many of you know this wonderful concept, the imputed righteousness of God. Thank you, Lord, that you have made me righteous, not because of anything that I've done, but because of the death of your son and my faith in you. Thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, I'm putting on the belt of truth. I'm putting on the belt of truth today. My personal integrity, the word there for truth, has the, uh, the, the, uh, the essence of what a person's personal integrity would be. That's all over the Old Testament and the New Testament. Lord, your, your truth, my personal integrity. But Lord, thank you that you've given me truth, period. Your absolute truth that I can hang everything that I believe on and not think that I'm parking my brain if I believe in you, in your word. Thank you, Lord, for the gospel shoes of peace that you've given to me to stand in your peace, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that takes away my anxiety, the gospel that I've embraced, Lord, so that I can live in a place where I have your shalom peace every second of the day. Help me, Lord, to choose that and to live in that. And thank you, Lord, that you've given me these shoes of peace so that I can share the gospel with others and the peace that they can experience. You see, there are positional and practical elements of the armor of God. And I encourage you to look deeply, maybe this week, perhaps take some time in however you study the word of God. Take a look at each one of these pieces. I have a lot more that I could share on this, but I'm just gonna conclude here in just a moment with the following. Now, of course, you all know that the other pieces that Paul talks about would be the shield of faith and of course, the word of God, the sword of the spirit. And there's so much that can be said about these pieces, and I didn't really do it justice today, but, you know, we're, we have some measurable limit on time. But you don't have a limit on time, and neither do I, when we go home and we have an opportunity in the quietness before God to look deeply into each one of these pieces and how they must be applied in our lives. I'm a song guy, I love to sing, I love to listen, I love to listen to all kinds of music, and I particularly love it when an artist locks in on this subject. It's rare. Now here's another one of my favorite artists that I was listening to, bounding down the road in those hours of driving, trying to stay alert, five-hour energy every once in a while. You know what I'm talking about. So this one woke me up. I was listening to... Uh, don't worry, I wasn't sleeping on the road. I mean, it, it, it revived me, though. It revived me spiritually, emotionally, and physically, thank God, as I was driving. Phil Kagi. Some of you know that artist. He's been around for decades now. Wrote with one of the, one of the uh, soloists, believe it or not, of Petra, Greg Volz. Some of you remember Petra. Ooh, I got, oh, I got so many. Wow. Hey. Well, you and I are going to talk after. Okay. So, so here's the song. Now, listen, please listen to the song, okay? Because it's truth based upon the word of God, and it helps to lock it down. Now listen. Engaged in a battle, 
but not against flesh and blood. Arrayed in the armor of good and light and love. To pull down the strongholds of which we are speaking of. The strongholds of Satan. We rise above the floods. Pulling down. Listen. Pulling down. Walls of deception crumbling all around. Hear the sound like the walls of Jericho crashing to the ground. Is that happening in your life personally? Are you seeing that happen in the lives of those in your family? Though many among us are weak and weary souls, yet God has the answer. Just let him take control. See, weak and weary, right? Demon cause passivity. In his perfect timing, we'll pull every fortress down. He goes on before us. It's he that will wear the crown. The sword of the spirit is like a cutting edge. Those who bear it, those who will bear it for those who are true to this pledge. No weapon will prosper directed against his own. The Lord is our victor. It's he that is on the throne. Pulling down, pulling down walls of deception, crumbling all around. This is an amazing subject that could never be talked about enough. I was talking to Pastor John about this. He goes, I believe the armor of God needs to be preached on and focused on at least once a year, at least once a year, and perhaps even more. We can never hear enough about what we are equipped to do in fighting against the evil one, and he's a powerful foe. But thank God God is always and has always been more powerful because greater is he, right, that is in us than he that is in the world. So take a look at that passage again and know that as Paul ends that section where he describes the armor of God, he then talks about prayer because prayer is the key. Prayer, many, many scholars and commentators would say that prayer is one of the pieces of the armor. Now, whether you agree with that or not, prayer is foundational because it is the means by which we are able to put on the armor every day. Now, we were never meant to fight this spiritual warfare alone. We all need the armor. We all need to stand together. Because I'm a little bit of a movie buff, um, I remember watching... 300, some of you don't, don't, you don't have to say if you saw it or not. Some of you go like this, I don't want to say that I saw that. All right, anyway, 300 though, it was the story, of course, of the Spartans coming against the Assyrians. And it's a, it's a true story, really, although they took a little Hollywood license in that movie, if you saw it. But I'll never forget that scene at the end when these men, only 300 against thousands, I mean like the seashore, these Assyrian soldiers coming against them, and they locked into position with their shields. Do you remember that scene? They got down, they got down on their knees like this. Now listen to this. They got down on their knees, and they put their shields up together and interlocked, and they survived a storm of arrows. Now we know they eventually lost, and it was all about their pride as Spartans. That's where the analogy, of course, breaks down. But imagine now the Naples gathering. By the way, about 300 strong right now in that range. Isn't that interesting? And by the way, there's another 300 that you might remember from the Bible. Anybody remember it? What's the big connection to 300 in the Old Testament? I'll give you a hint. Judges. 
Gideon. Gideon's 300. Yeah, different approach, right? In that approach, they depended on God. They would have been slaughtered. And by the way, the army that they were facing, listen to me, the army that they were facing, the Bible says, doesn't even give a number. The original number for the, for the Israelites was about 20,000 or so, right? Big number, right? In the Bible, you, look it up yourself. It's, it's in Judges 6, 7, and 8. That's the whole story. Notice that the, the army they were facing was like the sands of the seashore. <laughs> There's no number. There were myriads of them. Crazy numbers. And God defeated them. Not even with the 300. He just used that as a kind of a metaphor because I'm going to defeat them. And you're going to have 300. And there's one little verse in there that I want you to give attention to and you can look it up yourself. God says, I don't want any more than 300 because if there are more than 300, you might say it was we who defeated them. We won. We did it. God wanted to make it very clear that he is the one that goes before us. He is Jehovah Nissi. He is the one that is our banner. He is our shield. He goes before us. He calls himself that. One of the compound names of the Lord God is Jehovah Nissi. We love Jehovah Jireh. Oh, Lord, provide for me. It's great, right? Jehovah Shalom. Lord, give me peace. Jehovah Shalom, Lord, my prayer. But he says, I am a warrior that goes before you in the war. I am Jehovah Nissi. And so... The Lord in his great power says to us, I will go before you, but you make sure you're covered. You make sure you're protected. You make sure that you perceive what's going on. You make sure that all of these things are happening in your life every second of the day because you're in a war and it does not stop until Jesus returns. Pretty sobering stuff, right? One last thing. My son-in-law heard me do this message or a version of it a number of years ago and, um, and, he, and he came up to me after the service was over and he gave me this medallion. Now look, I don't, I don't depend on icons. I don't, it's just not a lucky charm, okay? Got it? Not a lucky charm. But it's a reminder to me. It's a, it's a I don't know how much it's worth, but it feels precious to me at least. It looks precious. But it has a picture of a fully armed Christian on the front, and it has the complete printing of Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Why do I carry this around with me? Because every time I reach into my pocket and I feel it, I'm reminded I'm in a war. I'm asking myself, am I covered? Am I, do I have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace? Am I raising up the shield of faith to extinguish the missiles, the attacks of the evil one? Am I using the word of God? And one more thought. Oh, man, I could talk about this for hours, and I got I to gotta end. <laughs> I mean, really, this is like a, like a multi-hour discussion amongst believers. Like, but one more thing I got to share with you. One more thing, I promise. You know, you get scared when pastors say that, right? I'm going to close quickly now, and then it takes about 20 minutes for them to close. You know, we all know it. I'm guilty of it, but let me just give you one more thing. When the scripture says that the, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, it is the spoken word of God. The word in the original language is rhema, the spoken word of God. Why did Paul write that? And I'm going to give you one just little thing to look at on your own. Remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness? What did Jesus do every time he was tempted? 
You, you know, you, you, you've read that. What did he do? He what? He quoted the word of God. I know you've probably heard this before. I'm not trying to give you anything you don't already know. But you know that Jesus didn't have to do that, right? Jesus didn't have to quote the previous word of God because good night, everything he said was the word of God. In fact, he was God the son. You, you hearing me? Why did Jesus do that? Many of us who have looked at that through the years and have come to the conclusion that maybe the reason Jesus did that was an example to us. So that when we are tempted, we have the word of God in such a way where we speak it, or at least we think it in response to what is going on. The sword of the spirit is the spoken word of God based upon the written word of God. Okay, I'm done. I think I'm undone. <laughs> but I will tell you this. It's easy to say when you get up, this is the most important thing that I could ever tell you, right? Like, you know, Dave knows what it is like. Martin knows what it is like. Anybody who preaches knows that the... Let me just say that of all the themes in Scripture, there are some key non-negotiables, and this is one of them. No one would ever disagree with that. I'm going to ask you to stand and pray with me right now. Father, we pray that in this moment as we have once again, for, for, for many of us who are here, this is, I don't know, the, how many times have we read that or heard it spoken about, heard it sung, but Lord, let it be fresh today for us. Let it not pass by as just another message. But a reminder to us, Lord, that you expect utter dependence upon you, desperate dependence upon you, and surrender. That is the key to being filled with the Spirit, and that is the key to having the armor of God on us at all times. Whether we feel like it or not, Lord, we know that we're in a war. Thank you. Thank you. We're grateful to you, Lord, and we worship you today that you have provided every single provision that we need to live as you as intended, free in you, free from the power of sin, free to live like you, Lord, free to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us, Lord, every day to employ the armor of God. In Jesus' name, amen.